0: Welcome to God's Acre On The Go, a worship podcast of the Congregational Church of New Canaan in New Canaan, Connecticut. To learn about the life of our church, our in-person ministries, and the virtual connections and offerings available, please visit us at www.godsacre.org. Now, wherever you are, wherever you are going, we welcome you to worship. Church family, good morning. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to God's Acre On The Go on this uh, weekend when we remember the life and ministry of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Wherever you happen to be, wherever you're traveling to, we're so grateful to have you tuning in. And um, I want you to prepare your hearts and minds for the text this morning that's early on in the Gospel of John as the writer of the Gospel of John is really grappling with the nature of Jesus Christ, uh, who he was and who he was called to be and and who he is in relationship to us. So I ask that you prepare uh, your heart and mind for receiving whatever word the Holy Spirit desires to impart to you today. As we listen to a, a new friend in the life of our church, Nick Dupuy, who grew up in New Canaan and is going to sing for us this morning, Morning Has Broken.
1: Morning has broken Like the first morning Blackbird has spoken like the first bird, praise for the singing, praise for the morning, praise for the spring, fresh from. The Sweet the rain's new fall, sunlit from heaven, like the first dew fall on the first grass. Praise for the sweetness of the wet garden, sprung in completeness. Where his feet pass. With elation, praise every moment, God's recreation. Like the first bird Praise for the singing Praise for the morning Praise for the springing Fresh from the world
0: So Nick will be joining us from time to time on this podcast, and we're grateful for his offering. As I said, we are looking at the uh, first chapter in the Gospel of John, and uh, Jesus has been kind of proclaimed as light to the world, um, the Word made flesh. Uh, John the Baptist has been, uh, at this point, already introduced to us in this particular Gospel, and then in verse 29, we read this. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, and this is important, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he who, I said, after me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The Word of God for the people of God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this sacred time to come before you to meditate on your word, to consider what you might want us to do and who you might want us to be. We pray that this ancient text uh, that speaks of the nature of your son might speak anew to us. In Jesus' name, we hope and we pray. Amen. So. You may know this, but shortly after signing the Declaration of Independence, the Founding Fathers turned their attention almost immediately to the designing of an appropriate seal for the new nation. They um, wanted on their national seal a symbol that would express the freedom and nobility of this new democratic experiment. And, And while it's said that Ben Franklin was partial to the indigenous wild turkey, they settled on the bald eagle, as you know. Now, not every nation has a national animal, but some countries do, like ours. And they've selected creatures that at least aspire to express a hope for national identity, kind of like a national mascot. Uh, For instance, Russia has the Eurasian brown bear. China has the panda bear. Bear, Bears are are popular mascots. Uh, And thinking about mascots as symbols of power, while the bears from Chicago are not in the playoffs this weekend, you probably know that the Vikings, Cowboys, Chargers, Bengals, Jaguars, and yes, even some giants will be on display this weekend. National anthems and team mascots are chosen to impress kind of imposing images on others. It's even true for our local high schools, if you think of it. We've got the Wilton Warriors and the Norwalk Lancers, Stamford Black Knights, the Darien Blue Wave, and yes, of course, the new Canaan Rams, Ram, Ram Tough. Now, according to the Gospel of John, the animal that best represents and is most expressive of the essence of our faith and the essence of our Lord Jesus is the lamb the lamb not the ram not a jaguar not a bengal tire tiger but the paschal lamb the sacrificial lamb the lamb offered for the forgiveness of sins now we're going to dive a little bit more deeply into the nature of jesus this morning so i want you to hang with me a bit because the the nature of jesus is uh, the gospel writer of john's primary concern Uh, now the issue was and i've talked about this before that there was a problem with Jesus that those, those earliest Christians and Christian writers had to deal with. See, Jesus was believed to be, or at least he was hoped to be, the long-awaited Jewish Messiah. The anointed one who would save the Hebrew people from Roman oppression and establish the kingdom of God in its place with God's chosen people in charge, of course. Now, the problem with Jesus began with the cross, right? See, there was no record, no prophecy about a dead Messiah leading people. I mean, you could have a dead prophet, dead teacher, uh, there were plenty of those, uh, but you couldn't have a dead messiah, a dead king. So, so when Jesus died on the cross and was sealed in the tomb, the chapter was closed on Jesus' messiahship. It was done. Just add Jesus to the long and forgettable list of hoped for but failed national leaders. The problem came three days later when Jesus didn't stay dead. Resurrection was the issue. See, there was was no playbook for resurrection. No one was expecting that. People could deal with a dead prophet. We know how to deal with dead people. But what on earth was to be done? How is anyone to understand a resurrected Jesus? And and suddenly people of faith, those earliest followers of Jesus, had to take a second look at Jesus and say, okay, hold on, who is this guy anyway? And the resounding answer that emerged was that Jesus is a Messiah who saves us from ourselves and saves us for God. Jesus came to free us and save us from our sins. And that's what John was trying to express when he says, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, you may remember in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, John the Baptist, uh, it says, proclaimed a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So that was John's mission. And and Jesus is believed to be, we know he's John's cousin, but we we also believe that he may have been one of John's disciples as well before he engaged in his own ministry. Uh, So knowing and understanding John's ministry is important to understanding Jesus's continuation of it. So people would go out to John in the banks of the Jordan River. They would confess their sins and then be ritually washed through submersion in water. And then Jesus's continuation of that ministry of repentance and forgiveness uh, continues on. And as early Christians struggled to understand the kind of Messiah Jesus was, they began to realize that Jesus had come to free them, but not, not from the oppressive yoke of the Romans. No, no, no. Jesus came to free people from the bonds of their own sin. Now, we probably should talk about sin more often than we do. So, so if you've forgotten the nature of sin, let's, let's just go over it again. Sin is any behavior that serves to separate us from God or from one another. And the Apostle Paul was fond of listing out uh, whole categories of sin. So one of his lists had fornication, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and then he went on to say, and things like these. So sin is any infraction of one of the 10 or 613 commandments or Levitical laws. Sin creates a divide between ourselves and God. And Jesus' ministry, just like his cousin John, was focused on mending that rift. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, God was said to deal with sin by punishing or destroying the sinner. But the thing is, it didn't work. Sin continued to to rear its ugly head. So through Jesus, forgiveness, forgiveness became the best hope for bridging the distance between creator and the created. Jesus calls us to repentance and offers us forgiveness in order to heal our relationship with each other and with God. Which brings us to the Lamb. Now, in an attempt to understand an executed and resurrected forgiving Savior, Jesus' first followers, who were Jews, remember, began to make a connection between the timing of Jesus' death and his ministry of forgiveness. Now, can you remember what celebration was occurring when Jesus was arrested, tried, and executed? Do you remember? was the Jewish festival of Passover, right? And and do you remember what is typically sacrificed uh, during Passover and, and is eaten as the meal? An unblemished lamb. Now, you remember Passover. It was uh, the final plague that God brought on the Egyptians when Moses was trying to take the Hebrew people out of the land of Egypt to the promised land. And it was this plague that, that the angel of death was going to come over the land and kill the firstborn of people and animals. Now... Do you remember, I know I keep asking questions here, and hopefully you're thinking through them. Do you remember how the Hebrews protected themselves from that angel of death that that was going to take the lives of all the firstborn? Well, some of the blood of that sacrificial lamb was put on the doorpost, and the angel of the Lord, the angel of death, passed over those households. So follow me here. Marked by Jesus's blood, which is Our communion ritual, marked by Jesus' blood, the judgment of God, passes over us, and we're saved from our sins. So the writer of the Gospel of John saw Jesus as the Passover lamb, as the Paschal lamb who saves us from God's judgment and God's vengeance. But the writer of John likely also saw in Jesus another Jewish ritual of repentance and forgiveness. Remember, it was a Jewish practice in the time of Jesus to make an animal sacrifice as a sin offering. In order to be forgiven, people would bring an unblemished lamb, uh, they would uh, confess their sins, and then they would place their hand on the lamb's head, and as the priest sacrificed the animal, it was believed that sin passed from the sinner to the animal and on to death. So sin died when the lamb was sacrificed. All of that, which likely seems so very foreign to us, was what was called to mind when John pronounced Jesus. Here is the Lamb of God, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And pushing this further still, Jesus isn't just a sacrificial lamb. Jesus is God's sacrificial lamb, which indicates that Jesus was God's offering of sacrifice on the altar of forgiveness. And that's where we get three chapters later, John 3.16, which you've seen so often at different athletic games and the end zones of games today. You'll probably see John 3.16 and a scripture we know well. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's that sacrificial line, that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. That's John 3.16. I want to just push it a little bit further because some people forget John 3.17, which goes on to say, Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, whatever you and I make of all this symbolism, it's clear sin and the forgiveness of sin is serious business for Jesus and for us. And you know it because if you've ever been forgiven a wrong you've done, if you've received pardon when you knew you deserved punishment— well, then you know how healing, how whole-making forgiveness can be. When you've offered forgiveness as someone who's wronged you, even if that forgiveness was not requested, if you forgave because you recognize God has forgiven you, well, then you know what? You likely know the freedom that comes from releasing the grudge, releasing the angst, releasing the anger. And if you haven't experienced that, then you know what? Try it out. You want to feel freer and lighter? Well, then wipe the chip off your shoulder and forgive the person that has you fuming right now. A uh, number of weeks ago in Advent, uh, we had that uh, love challenge. Uh, we had the love text from 1 Corinthians, and I suggested that, that you, you practice loving someone that you struggle with. Well, if you did that or at least attempted that and it didn't work, then in, instead of trying to forgive them, maybe st- but instead of trying to love them, start by trying to forgive them first because forgiveness is freedom. For ourselves and others, freedom from bondage and freedom for life. Now, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke of forgiveness often. He knew that the sin and stain of racism in our country could not be expunged without repentance. That means turning from sin and without forgiveness. He said for us to be successfully healed as a nation. Forgiveness can't be just an occasional act. It must be a constant attitude. He said, we must develop and maintain the capacity for forgive to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power of love. He went on to say forgiveness does not mean ignoring what's been done or putting a false label on an evil act. No. It means rather that the evil act no longer remains a barrier to the relationship. Forgiveness is a catalyst creating the atmosphere uh, necessary for a fresh start and a new beginning. Dr. King said, if we refuse to forgive and accept forgiveness, if we live by an ethic that says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, then then we will be a blind and toothless nation. Now, there's a lot of messages and mascots out in the world that try to entice us in their direction or, or simply entertain us. Giants and Vikings and Bengals and Ravens will be playing on fields for us this afternoon to watch. In Washington, D.C., there are donkeys and elephants who are promising that their respective agendas will lead us to a better direction as a country. And throughout our land, there are seals embossed with bald eagles that proclaim our right of speech and religion and press and assembly and to petition the government. But I'll tell you, in the Christian church, in this place, we find the Lamb, the Lamb of God who promises to take away the sin of the world. The Lamb, by whose blood we are protected and by whose sacrifice we are forgiven, made whole, and made right with God. The Lamb, who looked down from the cross to say, and I quote, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And we proclaim that that is exactly what God has done. And it is exactly what God will do for all of us who request pardon and offer that same forgiveness to others. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, forgiveness is not an easy task. Um, Not for us, and I suspect not for you. And yet it is the essential healing ointment to our aching world. So Lord God, uh, help us to love and forgive. For in the forgiving of faults and failings, um, We free others to live better and more fully, and we find we are free ourselves. So we ask for that blessing, and we ask for you to encourage in us a loving and forgiving heart. Um, We pray all of this in Jesus' name, the one who came that we might be saved from our sin. Amen. Well, church family, as you enter into another week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with kindness and give you peace now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Worship on the Go. To support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please consider making a contribution by clicking the Give button in the top right on our website, www.GodsAcre.org, or within today's email. God bless you and have a wonderful week.